0: As I've been mentioning in the E! News the last couple weeks, um, my message this morning is going to be entitled, Five Stones Church 2.0, as in version 2.0. And so here are a couple scriptures that I'm going to open up with, and they're both from the book of Acts. Chapter 11, verses 27 and 28, it says, At this time some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit that there would certainly be a great famine all over the world. And then Acts chapter 8, we read this, that Saul, who later became the great Apostle Paul, was in hearty agreement with putting him to death, as in Stephen the deacon, who was stoned to death. And Saul was in hearty agreement with this, and on that day a great persecution Began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now, if these seem like atypical verses to start off, um, don't worry; I'll connect the dots for us. But let me open with a word of prayer. So, Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, that you lead the church and that you're the head of the church. And Lord, your your goodness is so good to us, and we celebrate that this morning. And as I share the word, would you just speak to our hearts? We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So for the first few minutes of my message, if you allow me to be a little geeky, um, I want to share some organizational theory principles that will serve as a background uh, to this message, Five Stones Church 2.0. When an organization is engaged in strategic planning, It always wants to have an eye on the future, what is coming down the pipe. Is the economy going to be good? If you're a businessman. Will the rains be favorable this year? If you're a farmer. Will the 18 to 22-year-old demographic shift up, up or down over the next 10 years? If you're a university president. This is called leading from the future. This is how organizations get an edge and stay ahead by anticipating the future as best as they can so that they can lead their organizations into new vistas and capitalize on new opportunities. Now, generally speaking, there are three kinds of futures that we talk about. One is the expected future, second is an alternative future, and three is the surprise future. The expected future is, yeah, Skinny jeans are still in, so put in the order to the factory. Expected future is avocado toast is still popular with the millennials, so make sure that our grocery shelves are stocked with them in the fruit section. Alternative future sees that shifts are coming. Alternative futures anticipate changes in the market. Blue is in and and blue is out and sage is in, so we need to alter the color schemes and accent pieces in the furniture showroom. Alternative future is travelers are getting more sophisticated and they want to get business done in between flights, so we can create lounges where they can refresh and get their work done and we can charge money for that. Alternative future is swiping credit cards, giving way to tap credit cards. Surprise futures, however, are unexpected events that disrupt strategic plans. They are one-off, out-of-the-blue, outlier wildcard events. In this category, there are two kinds of surprise futures. One is a black swan event, and the other is golden goose events. A black swan, as you can imagine, is something that you don't often see in nature. It's an aberration. 99% of swans are white. So if a black one comes along, you say, wow, that's unique. That's different. Never seen that before. And black swans represent negative shocks to the system, and they're devastating in its consequences. A palace coup takes place, and now a thug is in charge of the nation. The stock market crashes, and your retirement savings are wiped out. The king, because of evil Haman, decrees that all Jews are going to be killed, as we read in Esther chapter 3. Golden gooses, on the other hand, are shocks to the system that are in the positive sense. The government comes out with a new air quality law, and your company happens to build filters that clean the air. Now your company is going to be rich. A celebrity cites you on their social feed, and now your restaurant is booming with customers. John the Baptist starts preaching in the desert, breaking a 400-year prophetic silence, and bang, revival is on. Which brings us back to the verses that we read at the beginning. When it comes to future casting, there are black swan events that are predicted, and there are black swan events that are not predicted. In Acts 11, Agabus saw that a famine was coming. He prophesied it. This was not just a regional black swan event. It was a global black swan event. As the scripture says, that famine would come upon over the whole world. This was huge. He saw food scarcity coming. He saw depletion in the food supply chain. As a result, the church was able to meet a need about a future devastating event because they had knowledge. But in Acts chapter 8, we see a different story. This is where Stephen was martyred, but this was an unpredicted event. Revival was raging in Jerusalem. The church was growing like crazy. Unity was strong. Fellowship was going great. Peter and John and the apostles were experiencing some persecutions from the Pharisees and Sadducees. But things were still hopping. People were coming to the Lord by the thousands. So when Stephen got killed, and when he got killed, no one anticipated that the church would be broken up and scattered. No one prophesied it. It was a black swan event without warning. Which brings us to COVID-19. This is a virus that's taken the world by storm. This is a black swan event that was unpredicted, and it's been devastating in its consequences. Even when it first emerged, people underestimated what it was, saying, it will just blow over soon. It's like the flu. It's seasonal. Don't worry too much. Well, it's not like the flu, and COVID has defied predictions as its effect has stayed with us much longer than anticipated. Experts are now saying it'll take two to three years for things to fully normalize depending on what part of the economy you're sitting in. So everyone... Is scrambling to reset their focus and strategic plans. Businesses and universities and nonprofits and military, travel industry, everyone is resetting their plans, including the church and including Five Stones Church. But we need not fear this Black Swan event because God is working all things together for the good. I'm so glad that God has us born into a time such as this. A lot of times we think back, oh, wouldn't it be great if we used to live back then when it was this way or in this part of the world where it was that way. But no, God specifically has you and me born into this time under this pressure, under this stress. Despite all its effects on us, we are appointed for this time. And so we need not have any fear because God is working together, all of this together for the good. We may have been taken by surprise, but God is not caught off guard. We're walking through a life-altering, nation-altering, organizational-altering event. And this is why Five Stones 2.0 is upon us. External forces have conspired to dramatically change our view of the future, and I couldn't be more excited that God is reshaping our plans so that we can be more fruitful and more impactful for His glory. Amen? In January of this year, I announced that I was stepping down as senior pastor and moving to a founder status, and that we would begin a search for a new lead pastor. This was precipitated by a series of personal events that showed me my grace was lifting. In particular, I shared two pictures that God gave me, one of worn treads on a tire, and two of a battery that had gone through many cycles of recharging. There was nothing wrong with the tire or the battery. It was just that they had done their job, and it was time for a change. For me, these two pictures really helped to identify and articulate my feelings that a grace was lifting, and I needed to shift to a new role. So I began processing these feelings and its implications with the apostolic team, the elders, the staff, and pastors. As we walked through these discussions over a six-month period, there was a piece from everyone that me stepping down as senior pastor was an appropriate step given my diminishing levels of grace. So I announced it to the church in January, and we formed a search committee to assist in the process of looking for a new senior leader. Now, one important side note. I had a bad bout of vertigo a couple weeks prior to my announcement. And instead of it going away in a couple days, as it usually does with people, it lingered. For six weeks, I could not drive. Mimi had to take me everywhere. I went to physical therapy, got all the blood tests done, got a CAT scan, saw the specialists. And everything checked out that there was nothing serious behind the vertigo, like a stroke. But the vertigo persisted, and it curtailed my daily schedule, which allowed me to spend much more time being with God and resting. Currently, I'm 90% recovered. So thank you for your prayers. Then in February, two weeks after my transition announcement, COVID hit. For me, this was a double whammy, COVID on top of vertical, not in the bad sense, but in terms of the daily routine, routine sense. Now that we were isolated at home, working remotely, more than ever, I was able to just rest and fellowship with God. It was during this time that God began speaking to me out of the story of Noah. As most of you know, I shared a strong message about COVID and Noah and its impact on animals and the wet market situation in China. But the story of Noah was also speaking to me on a personal level. Noah was in the ark in self-isolation for 40 days as the floodwaters covered the earth. Noah was experiencing a black swan event. In fact, he's the first person to ever make it through an apocalypse, an actual end-of-the-world scenario, and lived to tell the story. When he emerged from the ark, there was a new world in front of him, a new landscape, a new terrain, and this would call for new plans and new strategies. He would have to restart the world, restart civilization. And how would he do that? In pondering this, I found something stirring inside of me. Five stones would be emerging from a black swan event. Five stones would be facing a new landscape when everything settled down. Five stones would be facing a new world once the virus passed. And I began imagining what would it be like for five stones going forward. And the more I thought about it, instead of becoming exhausted or discouraged by the prospect of a restart, I began to feel energized. I started to feel wind come back into my sails. There were strategies to be had. We had to reimagine things. There would be new innovations. And I found grace returning to me, whereas before it was waning and lifting. I felt a new sense of vigor. And it seemed like God was redirecting me, rerouting me back to the senior pastor role, albeit in a modified form, which I'll share in a moment. But what would the elders and oversight team think of this new development? When I shared my thoughts with the apostolic team, to my surprise, not only were they excited for me, they were very excited. Ben Goodman, when I was talking to him, had to put the phone down And he said, if you heard a silence on my end, it was because I was out of my chair doing a jig for you. I said, Ben, why are you so excited when you told me you were good with me stepping down before? He said, I always felt your time wasn't up, but I didn't feel enough of a check to say no to you. So I wanted to support you. But now that you're feeling to stay on, I couldn't be more excited. And then he said this, You're called to lead Five Stones 2.0 until the next senior pastor comes along. That was a crystallizing moment. That's when the idea of 2.0 started, and I felt that that was the right way of wording it and looking at it. Ben was the first to speak those words 2.0. A new season for Five Stones was afoot. When I talked to Chuck Porta, Again, Chuck and Ben are on our oversight team. He came at it from a different angle. Although this was a change in direction, he said, I'm proud of you for being flexible. Many leaders lose their adjustability as they get older. They get set in their ways. One of the signs of maturity is when leaders stay flexible in God. Then he shared with me the passage from Acts 16, where Paul was planning to go to Bithynia. Paul had completed his first missionary tour, planted all these churches, was excited to go back and to extend the church planting mission that God had given him. And so he just naturally began to push out into territories that would take him further from the first trip. And he wanted to go into this region called Bithynia. But the scripture says the spirit of the Lord prevented them from going. Why? Why? Because as it turned out, there would be a vision that would come from Macedonia a completely another place. And as a result of that, Paul was redirected to go to Macedonia. Paul adjusted. In talking to the elders about my feelings, there was also a real sense of peace about what I was thinking. And Pastor John really had a word of wisdom. He said, Rich, if you come back, you can come back as senior pastor in the way that you did before. You will burn out and you will find the grace lifting again. The only way I have peace with you coming back is if you've come back in a vision and teaching role and raise up a team to run the church on a day-to-day basis. He cited several churches that have done this and I knew that this was a model used by many churches and founding pastors, but I had never applied it to myself. But it was God using John, like the others, to shape and bring clarification as to what my role would look like. And it really clicked with me that that was what the new job description should be. Raise up a team to run the church as I helped to architect what Five Stones 2.0 would look like. Of course, there was a conversation with Mimi. What did she think? Did she feel peace? Did she see a grace coming back to me? Was God in this? To my surprise, and this is a husband-wife thing. Those of you who are married will understand this. You don't know if your wife is going to shoot you down, hit you over the head with a pen and say, what are you thinking? Or respond with, not bad. That's a good idea. In this case, it was the not bad response. I have peace with what God is saying to you. Then it was time to share with the search committee my thoughts. They were excited to help find a new pastor, but whether it was COVID-related or it just wasn't time to have a new senior pastor, probably a combination of both, there was zero activity on the candidate front. They didn't get to review a single resume. They didn't get to interview a single candidate. All we got to do was to read a book on pastoral transitions. So when I talked about staying on as senior pastor, there was excitement, but also disappointment. Excitement for what what 2.0 would look like, but disappointment that they didn't get to finish their job. But something really crucial came out of our discussions and processing. Since they had their search committee hats on, they were thinking about the vision of the church, the DNA of the church, and what kind of leader would be needed to step in. Chuck's visit from the apostolic team in February, just before travel restrictions took hold, was very timely and looking back, providential. His words to us as leaders helped add an important layer of wisdom in terms of what to look for in a senior leader. And those thoughts were actively mixed in with what my role would look like if I stayed on, and what 2.0 would look like. There are many details to that discussion, but the high-level takeaway with the search committee was that if I step back in as a pastor of vision and teaching, then the church would need to step up and carry the ministry forward. Or to put it in biblical terms, the ark would need to be on the shoulders of a lot more people. There would be a lot more cross-pollination of leaders, collaboration, ideation, ownership, planning, recruiting, equipping, and development of the next wave of leaders. 2.0 would have a distinctly different organizational feel. There would be a new sense of mobilize and realize. Mobilize, as in multiply leaders and volunteers, and realize, as in make good on our strategic initiatives through the new leaders. In the end, the committee didn't have a candidate to present to us, but they provided crucial advice for 2.0 at the strategy level. We thus brought the committee to a conclusion two weeks ago, and I want to applaud them for their heartfelt commitment and seriousness with which they approached the task. Thanks to Heidi Gao, Alex and Jess Pearson, Chris Walks, Jillian Lowe, Deborah Lawson, and Dan O'Hearn. I thoroughly enjoyed working with this team and our thoughtful and lively conversations. So, putting all this together, given the last five months, And as a result of this black swan event called COVID, our plans have radically changed. After processing my thoughts with our related leadership teams, there is a peace and unity that I should continue on as senior pastor instead of stepping away, but in a modified form as pastor of vision and teaching. I anticipate I'll be in this role for three to five years, and then someone else will be able to take the reins. Some of you may ask, well, what will happen to the church planning activities I was planning on in my first announced transition in January? They will continue on for sure, except in a modified form now. I've already begun laying off a framework for what we want to do in the stages for how we want to expand our church planning efforts. And I see them going hand-in-hand in many ways with what will happen at Five Stones. Some of the new elements that we're looking at developing In 2.0, we'll dovetail with our church planting efforts, so we'll get a double benefit for the buck. Actually, on this note, I should mention that my new book on church planting was accepted for publication this week, so I'm very excited about that. Okay, having talked about the leadership piece, let me talk a bit more about the vision and strategy piece. And here's a snapshot of some of the things that are on the planning table. We're gonna continue to develop our digital strategy even after COVID has passed. Part of the takeaway from COVID is that God is pushing the church to use technology more than it has ever anticipated. I mean, we're talking leaders all across the globe see the message that God is pointing to us that we need to keep the digital strategy in front of us. It's the new Romans road of the gospel. Every church that I know has increased their reach by going online. Now we know that this may well be a temporary spike, but there's a real sense across the body of Christ that online ministry must be part and parcel of a church's outreach and ongoing ministry. Nothing can replace face-to-face interaction or in-person services, but an online presence is becoming a crucial complementary piece. Just like websites used to be novel and an extra way to advertise yourself, in addition to being the phone book or yellow pages. Some of you may not even know that there was yellow pages. (laughs) Some of you may not even know that there was a phone book, but that's how people and that's how businesses advertise themselves. But when website came on, it, it was sort of this novel thing, but eventually it became the default way. It soon became an essential way to introduce yourself to the world. We believe that digital platform will have that same kind of momentum, and we're going to continue to develop it. So for example, pending what happens after phase four, our thought is to keep our 10 a.m. service, but cancel our 8.30 a.m. service and replace it with an online broadcast. Of course, we need a lot more discussion, a lot more conversation around that, how it impacts different families, But COVID has changed our thoughts about the future because of the new strategies that are coming down the pike. Discussions are still ongoing as to when to position that broadcast. If we don't have an early morning service, where do we put that online service? But this means an expansion of our digital capacities, investing in new equipment, setting up a studio, editing space, figuring out, do we do studio tapings, or do we do live tapings, Or do we do a blend of both? The process of discipleship will take on a new dynamic if we actively curry viewership online. This will require new staffing to create engagement. An internet pastor, an online pastor. We may extend our outreach to podcasts and videocasts. This is a whole new arena of doing ministry. Another thing that comes up is that There are new discipleship nodes, microsites, satellite churches, church plants. Related to ramping up our digital platform is the possibility of creating microsites and satellite churches where our outreach across the city can increase. This thought came to us from Bernice, one of our elders who's been doing prayer walking. And as she has walked the streets of New Westminster, she's had this sense that maybe God would use our online platforms to create satellite presence or satellite churches in other parts of the city? We don't know, but we're willing to test that out. Can we leverage our online ministry to expand Five Stones' footprint across the lower mainland? What will that look like? Will viewing parties become popular? Will we be able to reach a segment of the population that we previously couldn't have? We've always operated by word of mouth, but now we have this turbocharger where people can hear more about us without having to have person-to-person contact? Can we create meaningful discipleship and outreach through this? These are all exciting questions, which we don't know the answers to, but we know God is pointing us to capitalizing on technology, so let the prototyping begin. With the competencies we learn by doing church online, can this tie in to church planting? Can we use it as an incubator for churches in other cities? I've had a burden to see our online content get translated into other languages so people in other nations can learn and grow and be helped by our materials. There's already a translate button on YouTube, so we're just a halfway ste- half step away from testing this idea. But as you can see, there are many new points of discipleship when we open up a digital arm of the church. It's like a new way of doing missions locally and globally. A third point, of course, pertains to raising up leaders. As mentioned, a top priority for me, given my new job description, will be to build a day-to-day team to run the church. In particular, Alex, another elder on our team, has had a, a picture of two oxen plowing in the field. And part of our understanding is that God wants to bring at least two more pastors on besides myself and after Pastor John leaves. But implied in this idea of not only beefing up the staff is the idea of raising up and releasing a multitude of leaders. And in fact, God has already been going ahead of us and raising up the next wave of leaders. As of this Sunday, here are some new faces coming to our ministries. In the area of finances, George Price, after 10 years of serving as the financial administrator and anchoring our offices upstairs, he's going to be retiring. And Linda Ketchum is going to be taking over from him. George and Linda have already been working for the last couple months, transferring their knowledge one to another. Linda is a very highly skilled financial administrator, and we're very, very fortunate to have her come on board. So George is going to be finishing his tenure at the end of the month. Linda will be taking over the offices, but that's a big change for us. In the area of worship, Ben Park is gonna be taking over from Mimi, who has served as our worship pastor for the last six years. Of course, I'm biased, but she's done a great job just building up the worship department. But we're just as excited that Ben will be taking on the new role as a worship coordinator and tech director. I know there's a lot of vision inside of him. There's a lot of excitement about this turnover to the next wave. And by the way, if you've been enjoying our pre-service and post-service music, that was composed by Ben. The women's ministry, Lee and Allison, will be taking over from Mimi. As we know, the women's ministry have always shamed the men's ministry. And as you can see on this slide, there is no men's ministry update. Come on, guys, we got to get our game going. But we're excited to have Joe and Allison take over from Mimi, and we know that the women's ministry is going to continue to really hum along. Hive City, as I mentioned in January, Max Hansen is taking over CEO duties from me. And by the way, Hive City really needs your prayers. Of all our businesses, Hive City has been hit terribly because in its events-based business and we've literally lost 95% of our revenue, and we're hanging on by our fingernails. But, you know, we've gone through many near-death experiences, and we're trusting that God will once again come through, but we need your prayers that the business will turn around quickly in a matter of weeks. Hive Cafe, I'm super excited to share that Dan and Jenny O'Hearn have agreed to be Director of Operations And uh, they bring just uh, a whole career of being in the marketplace, building businesses, building teams. And so he and Jenny are going to be taking over the load from John and Liz. John has already been um, transitioning out of that role. Liz has been really holding down the fort in terms of the Hive Cafe. Miraculously, through COVID, our business has held, and we're seeing an uptick and a real surge in Hive Cafe. And we're very, very excited about that. In fact, Dan and Jenny and Liz, they've hired a brand new manager down there. Hope you get a chance to go down there and meet him. His name is Daniel Cha, and uh, he graduated from hospitality school, and he's very excited about anchoring that management position and building the business down there. You combine that with the fact that our parkade has the new pedestrian bridge going over and the pier park being accessible by so many people, we're very excited about the cafe physically being in the spot that it's in. On the deacon front, looks like my slide was not updated there for the deacons. Anyways, on the deacon front, because of the vision of mobilizing and raising up new leaders, we are going to have a big recruitment drive coming. A lot of recruitment efforts to bring on more deacons to really help raise up the ministries of the church. Given all that, let me just show you one other graphic here, and then we're going to start winding down. This picture kind of represents what our ministry culture can be summarized in, in 2.0. At the center there is just a very crystal-clear, big picture of what the future holds. And there's all these other dynamic activities that are around it. Unfortunately, either because of my old eyes, I can't actually read that slide right now, and I don't have the whole PowerPoint <laughs> in front of me. So, okay, I'm just going to get closer. So um, scenario thinking, total awareness, strategic conversations, anticipatory leadership, proactive strategy, uh, integrated intelligence, real-time collaboration. These are very big organizational words, I know. It's not something that we typically use uh, in churches. But hey, these are words of wisdom. These are words that really mean something uh, in terms of how we can build the leadership culture and the ministry culture here. So I just put that this slide up is a way to mention that these are things that we want to go full force in. As leaders, we'll have time to talk more about the different elements that are in this graphic. So having said that, let me speak to what will not change, and then I'm going to close out my message time. With all that's changing, there are some things that we need to say that will not change. Our commitment to Matthew 28 and the Great Commission is as strong As ever. We must preach the gospel like never before. The gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, is the hope of the nations. Jesus is the healing power that we need in our cities, in the countrysides, in our capitals, in our society, in our culture. This is not a time to shrink back. This is not a time to put our light under the bushel basket. This is not a time for our salt to lose its flavor. the gospel is God's hope for the nations. Black Lives Matter, racism issues, mental health issues, marital problems, financial problems. We need to point people to Jesus Christ that they would make him Lord and Savior of their life. That's the foundation that each and every person needs. And without the preaching of the gospel, there are no disciples Disciples are those who have said yes to the Lord, have said yes to the claims that he makes, yes to what Jesus did on the cross, the finished work of Christ, that we receive the work, the blood that was shed, the sacrifice that was given by the Father so that we can have eternal life. Discipleship is at the heart of the Great Commission and there can be no impacting and influencing of culture without red-hot, on-fire disciples for Jesus. I know we're under a lot of pressure and a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety, but this is a time to be filled by the Holy Spirit. This is a time to be fueled in your relationship with God so that you can shine brightly for Him. Isaiah 60 says, In the last days, darkness will cover the earth. I think we can say, we can feel it. There is a heaviness that's coming on the earth. But Isaiah prophesies that the light will shine brightly and the nations will come to that light. That light is a church. That light is you and me. That light is the spirit of Jesus burning brightly in you as a disciple. Disciple is at the heart of it all. And that's why disciple is the word in the center of our tagline. Gospel, disciple, and influence. We're all in on this. We're not backing up an inch. We're equally committed to maintaining a joy-filled, charismatic, prophetic, Bible-infused, spirit-oriented culture. You know, part of the, the climax of the ages is not just the return of Jesus coming back to us, but Jesus gets to take us to be with him forever and ever. Next week, we're starting our New summer series called the Song of Songs. It's about this amazing, passionate, riveting relationship between a man and a woman. And it's a picture between Christ and the bride, which is the church. Jesus is excited about coming to taking us home as we are for him to come back to take us. And the Bible says in Ephesians 5 that he's coming back for a glorious bride without spot or wrinkle. He's not coming back to a stressed out, worn out, tattered bride. He's coming back for a glorious bride. We have, to, we have to imitate the life of heaven. We have to emulate that life to have the joy of the Lord, to have the Holy Spirit moving in power, to be hearing from God, to loving the word of God more and more and more. We're all in. And we're equally committed to the Jeremiah 29 agenda of blessing our city, seeking the welfare of our city. We're not just within the four walls of the church. No, we have a higher call, and that's to be a blessing to those that are around us, that there is a physical benefit for Christians to be in the midst of the city. Whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, whether it's social, whether it's economic, that's what God preached to the Israelites when they're in Babylon. The Israelites were conflicted in their hearts and minds. What do we do that we're in Babylon? We're among the pagans. We're contaminated by them. Should we just withdraw and and just be hidden? Jeremiah spoke to them so clearly. Seek the welfare of the city. Be a blessing to them. Because in their welfare is your welfare. That's the outward focus. That's the heart of God. And we're equally committed to that agenda. This represents our DNA, our core, our values, our identity. It's what makes us, us. Our methods will change, but our guiding convictions will not. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I actually have two or three other sermons that have come out of COVID that I'm just bursting to share, but we don't have time. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. I'm discovering my Jesus like never before. Let me end with this verse. Psalm 145, verses 3 through 7. One generation commends your works to another. It's a generational thing. This is a legacy thing. This is a succession thing. One generation will commend your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Notice the focus of our words. We're extolling who God is, his character, his acts, his deeds, his testimonies. The more we point people to God, the more they're going to be drawn to them. It's not about us. It's all about him. If I be lifted up, I will, be, I will draw all men unto him. And David, at the end of his life, when he penned Psalm 145, this just flowed out of him. I'm passing on the testimonies that God has done in my life to the next generation so they can sing the praises of God. 2.0 is about adapting to a new season, no doubt. But our passion now and forever is to make Jesus famous. Amen? If you have questions about 2.0, about any thoughts that I've shared, please feel free to email Pastor John or myself or any of our elders, Bernice and Alex, or reach out to our search committee. They'll be able to follow up with any questions that you might have. So God, we just come to you right now. We thank you that it is for a time such as this that you have raised up the church. You have sovereignly and providentially Placed us in this time, each and every person in our workplace, in our city. You are leading and guiding us. We thank you for the pillar of fire. We thank you for the cloud that covers us. We thank you for your favor, God. We we sang it. Your favor is upon us. Blessings from generation to generation. So God, as we move into 2.0, would a greater grace come upon us Would a greater anointing come upon us? Would a greater wisdom come upon us? May a greater unity, God, be in our midst, even though we're dislocated from one another. May there be a greater unity and a greater fellowship and a greater joy that we might be your light and we might be your glory. We thank you now. Touch our hearts, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Thank you, church, for joining us. Again, just to mention, if you have any prayer requests, email them out to prayer at fivestoneschurch.org and our team will get back to you quickly. Have a great week. Blessings.